gooey. <laughs> or not. Ooh, this is gooey. Yuck. Ooh, gooey. <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs>
terabyte drives, uh, solid state drives, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, and put it together as a RAID, and then uh, got that all back together and loaded a new Nextcloud on there, and everything's running a lot faster. And plus, um, this last week, because I wanted to make sure I had a backup to the RAID. I understand the RAID's going to be backing it up itself, kind of. But I went ahead and set up the, the other four terabyte drive that I had on there before to do a copy over every night. And uh, so we did that as well. So that's that's a lot of fun, you know, to go back. I think the hardest part is going back and remembering. What did you do the first time? What did I do the first time? How did I make that work last time? And and that's the hardest part about this whole thing. And I try to get notes. And apparently the notes I did in that one spot were not not nearly <laughs> the notes that I needed to, to get things done, you know? <laughs> so anyway. Absolutely. I mean, so we talked about Avoid Linux's documentation. We talked about um, reading is a critical skill. Um, it's... Documentation is just as critical <laughs> in the fact of being able to repeat what you did before. And then you end up doing like, um, you read it. What does that mean? You go and do some more research. <laughs> what did that mean? And you yeah. do more research and, and you get dig deeper and deeper. And that's okay because you're learning all along. All right. So do we have any correction? Well, first of all, we got to apologize. Yes. Uh, the sound last time was really bad. We had... Uh, I don't know what he was talking about. I had great audio yeah, on my yeah, side. Yeah, keep it up. I set them both up, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> they. Um, but we did have our one of our um, video cameras locked up. Yeah. When we were first trying it, after after we already did all the sound tests and checked and everything like that, and then we went back and reloaded everything, but I didn't do another sound check on that. So something went wrong with my mic, and we were getting that echo almost like I was down the end of the hallway. And unfortunately, it was good enough you can understand what I was saying, but not bad enough to where I didn't want to, you know, where I wanted to redo it. Right. But we're trying to, again, this is a learning process. We're trying to make things better as we move along and learn as we go along. And so, yeah, we're hopefully this one will be better. And uh, we'll just keep moving on from there and, and try to get better as we go along. Uh, the other thing is, uh, any corrections from the last time? Um. Yeah. So um, one of the terms that we had used in our previous podcast was GUI, and I did not stop to explain that at all. We'll break it down a little bit more, but I wanted to clarify where I was talking about GUI right. in particular, and that is just the installation of the operating system onto your hard drive, or when you were talking about the software installations um, through um, inside of Void. Aside from that, we'll break down GUI a lot more, a um, little bit towards the into this podcast yeah, into this podcast but but when i uh when i jumped in on there i was talking about i didn't have it which i was talking about the package manager right so it didn't have like a discover or even an octopi or anything like that any type of package manager that was inside a graphics uh uh type uh interface right and so you're doing it all through terminal or text interface and that's what i was meaning there i didn't mean you know void has plenty of uh graphics interface it's pretty cool it's, it works really well it's on a desktop and and all its software and stuff like that it's just loading those packages uh, in the first place are all text and you got to use terminal yeah. to do that so that's the only clarification we really had and if there's any more we, we can come back to it later on one of the terms we used or one of the things we kept talking about was bloatware uh, now bloatware comes from my generation way back when in windows you got a brand new laptop 
or desktop and you had the windows on it and they had all this software right there you can have you know 60 days worth of um mcafee antivirus or or you can have 60 days on office microsoft and 60 days of this and trial of this and trial of that and trial 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 and you're, you're kind of excited about some of them you're like yeah this is gonna be great and then you have to pay for some of them correct which isn't necessarily bad i mean some of them are do their due diligence and norton and mcafee are fantastic um antiviruses but if you don't have the money there's other options as well right and and what it would do is it would use the resources of the computer correct and uh, there'll be a lot of stuff on there one of the resources that were big back then was the hard drive and we're going to be talking about hard drives in a little bit too yes but it'll take up a lot of your hard drive right off and you're like why is so much space being taken up just by the installation of the that came in the first place i don't even have room to put anything else on here yes so that's what we mean by bloat okay it has this extra stuff on it and and to let you know how bad it is i mean later on when you had some windows tablets or windows uh uh netbooks and stuff like that that came out for some reason those had a lot less and they ran okay on them too you know the windows was fine faster. it's like why do i have to have all this extra junk on my windows anyway so we take that same term bloat sometimes bloatware over into our linux systems and right. we'll be talking about bloat as all the extra programs that we have in an operating system and i have an argument there as far as sometimes it's good correct and when would it be good it's good i mean just like i was mentioning on the McVie norton they're great things and maybe you haven't heard of one um, same thing when you're um, working with um, Linux installation with open source products. Maybe you've never heard of this. Maybe you haven't even tried it. Yeah. Um, getting your feet wet is a good thing. Um, maybe you'll find out that you actually really enjoy it. You know, maybe you're using Microsoft Word and you find out that LibreOffice is much better for your um, your flow. I don't know, but yeah. um, that's one of the great things about when you're just distro hopping you get exposed to these other right. versions of these same software you, know, you might be using LibreOffice is a really good uh um office suite that you can use instead of a windows using you know microsoft office you can use LibreOffice, and it's just as powerful there's so much stuff on yes. there you can use it has the same things as far as calculation sheets and uh uh doing the writing and it has a powerpoint not to use Windows PowerPoints, but same type of idea. They they call them slightly different, slightly things, different you know? names. The menus might be a slightly changed, so they don't, you know. But they're just as powerful, and they're out there for people to use. And and that's not the only one out there. There no. there's Open Office and and some other stuff that you can use. Also, you know, you can choose which browser you like more. You know, there's so many out there that you can choose from. And so, operating systems kind of like Ubuntu or Mint. Uh, come with a lot of stuff to start with, especially Mint, and you can try out everything. I know uh, Garuda, Garuda Linux was a fork of an Arch Linux, and we had that for a while. And we kind of got still enjoy it. I love Garuda still; it was a good thing. But when I first installed it the first time, you had this welcome screen to start with, yes. and you can go through there tab after tab after tab after tab, and you can select all these different apps you want on here, all these different packages, and I selected them all. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, 400 gigabytes later, no, and, and you know, was like 40. And, and, I, and I did have the hard drive to, to support it and everything like that. So, but I did get to look at a lot of stuff that I didn't use before, kind of like a Caden Live. I never used Caden Live before, and that became a very, very important stuff for me to use later on. And uh, anyway, that and not just for Linux, he, he's using it daily for his job, actually. Even. Yeah, so. <laughs> It's actually quite fun to find these operating, or sorry, open source alternatives right. that allow you to do the same, if not better, than the ones that you're going to find as what we call proprietary, which is um, something you might pay for or something that um, they as, have rights to somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And the Caden Caden Live is a one that you can use, and that's a you can make movies with it, edit your videos with it, sound stuff. And you could also load that up on your Windows system. Yes. And I guess through Homebrew, you can do it on your your Mac as well, your Mac yeah. OS. Now I don't I haven't I don't have an M1 or M2 M3 Mac or anything like that. But you know, as far as the you know the ones before that, yeah, Homebrew would work. And 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 you got Homebrew working kind of like a terminal. This is not a Mac commercial either. I'm just saying they're available on both those systems for yes. you to use. And so. Yeah, you could take that over to some of the other systems because you know how to use it and it works well. And a lot of these systems that we talk about, a lot of these apps work faster and don't they're not as big. And so that actually makes it less on the bloat too. But as you start learning Linux more and more, you start deciding which packages you like and need. And you only load those. Right. You know, instead of loading up everything and backing it back off and unloading them all later on. That's kind of like one of the, uh, I think we mentioned this briefly. Um, one of the other great things about Void was that it was pretty bare bones. Um, so we're talking about, you know, bloatware. There was very little on Void, which allows you to install just the things that you want and have less of a resource impacting at that point. And, and it's a very fast system and arch for that matter. Arch, you're loading the stuff as you go along. So you're only going to put on what you want. Yes. And sometimes, you know, you won't have everything that you need and you have to well, go and figure right. out how do you do that. But, but yeah, so as you get better, you, you minimize how much you need and it saves you both uh, hard drive space and resources being used in the yes. back. So that always works out great. So that's the thing about bloatware. All right. If you go ahead, we're going to jump over to distrowatch.com, which so, is something some distro hoppers like myself if you're going to be a distro hopper distrowatch.com really helps you now distrowatch.com is a web page that actually puts out all the open source so it doesn't have to be just linux but right. all the open source operating systems and you can get over there and they put um different ones that are out there they also have news for each one of them as a, as they uh, load them up and they have uh downloads you know when when people download them and they keep track of that and so you have like kind of a a list of several of them on the right bar and it makes it look like hey this one's the best so like mx linux i think is one of the top ones up there man right uh some of the other ones like ubuntu and stuff anyway but really, it's a download. So instead of being Correct. the best, it's probably more like the most popular, popular at the moment. But that being said, you are able to click into each of those and you'll get a page that has more details about it coming from its homepage to um, how many downloads it had that month to 
Um, yeah. what is desktop it, it, environment yeah, or it, packaging or yeah, desktop bands? Of, what's it based off? Is there a fork? Does it, yeah. uh, what country it's from? True. That, um, that one's helpful actually. Cause deep in, I loved it. It looked great, but coming from China and nothing wrong with China, but coming from China, it was just taking forever to do an update all the way over here. Right. And so I would have to leave that overnight to do an update. So that may not be something that I want to do all the time that will not be my daily driver <laughs> right so but but it is a good good thing to use now if you do have to see where the ratings are when you click on each one of these distributions you have to kind of look to see how many users rated that so if it's right. one or two it's pretty early and they haven't really rated it and i mean that doesn't stop you necessarily for from downloading and using it. it's just to give you an idea that you know if you have a hundred people rating it and they all rated it 9.3 that's probably going to be a pretty good, useful right. uh, operating system. But if only two done it so far, you know, whether it's high or low, it's probably a little bit early to tell. So if you guys have ever ordered anything off of a website or Amazon or, you know, Walmart, you know that the cheapest product that only has one five-star rating is probably not the one that you want to purchase. The same difference with <laughs> these kind of operating systems. If you want to try it, go for it. We're not going to say well, you don't, but if you want to have a more robust, um, better, um, well-tested system, you want to go for one that has more ratings um, and better customer reviews than just yeah. two. And they, and they do sometimes have stuff out there, whether or not for uh, uh, someone just learning or the seasoned veteran. And um, But with that said, sometimes it's just fun to play with. Yep. Like distro hoppers <laughs> are bread and butter. Yeah, there you go. All right. Now, when you start doing these uh, distros, you need to understand how each one of them works. We, we'll talk about a rolling release. We'll talk about a fixed release or point release. And sometimes you'll even hear an LTS at the end or long-term support. Right. And each one of these have a different, uh, what's the word, good points and bad points to it, if you will, or possible bad points. I mean, they're all, got, they're, they're all good points, okay? But some things that you do you may want a little bit more support than other ones. Okay. Right. So with that said, if we have a fixed point or um, a fixed or point release, that's one that's going to be released every once in a while, every right. six months, maybe every year, every two years, so forth. And what that means is they're going to take their stuff and put it together and test it multiple times, send it out to all the people they are going to use the beta, if you will. And some may have had the alpha before that. And they're going to work with that and try to get out all the bugs before they release it. Correct. Okay. The opposite of that would be, or not really opposite, but the you have a rolling release. Now, rolling release is it's going to be a cutting edge type release. Every time they have a new update, a new change, someone wrote something different, whew, it's out there to grab almost immediately. And you can load that up and update it if you want to update it that quickly on your systems. And so that really helps you if you have a new machine or new graphics cards, new hardware that you want to use and keep a driver for it. Yes. That's where you're going to find the drivers you need because sometimes when you get the brand newest every, everything, um, you go to load up an operating system, it may not be able to support it yet because there hasn't been a driver built for it yet. Or a, the kernel doesn't support it just yet. So um, that's where, you know, it's good to have a rolling release, you know, such as Tumbleweed. And yes, they put that 
in the name on purpose. <laughs> Tumbleweed rolling. <laughs> yeah, it's rolling. And uh, from of course, Seuss. Void that Void. we used already last uh, two weeks ago. It, it, it's a rolling release. Garuda is another rolling release. Because it's based on Arch. Yes. And Arch is and definitely a rolling release. And to an extent, um, some of them are um, fixed point releases too. But generally speaking, most artists right. are going to be that rolling, bleeding edge, cutting edge technology sort of thing. But the um, other ones, the long-term support, this is a, another fixed point release. And those the LTS on them usually. Yes, LTS or LTSR standing for long-term support or long-term service release. Um, when they release it, such as Ubuntu or Linux Mint, they're going to support that version guaranteed for however many years that they put it on their thing. Right. Generally from two to three um, years. Um, it used to be four. Right. Um, at one point. And, and that's up to each uh, yeah. distro what they wanted to support it for because, um, you know, they, most places want to move on. And, you know, they don't want to work on some of the <laughs> this older stuff. But now with Ubuntu, you said that they release the LTS every two years. Right. Now, every two years, they have another LTS that comes out. In between every six months, roughly, they're releasing an update. And that update is not part of the LTS, but it is... Uh, the Ubuntu, and it's probably where they're working into that next, next one, one that they're going to do. Right. But once they release an LTS, they cover that, support it for three years. Now, the Ubuntu server, they support for five years. Right. And that's where we're trying to get at some of these things. Like, if you have a server, you probably don't want a rolling release. No. But you want more of an LTS for long term because you don't want to change that out too often. Right. Because once you get it working, you want it to continue working. Um for instance, my dad, I guarantee you, as much as he loves um, learning, he doesn't want to have to go back and redo his next cloud every time an update comes up. Because sometimes that takes all day. Yeah, <laughs> it can take all day, you know, um, or it might break something that was working beforehand, you know. And so that's where the long-term service reporter point releases have a um, higher or a better positive um, feedback than the rolling so, release does. So rolling release, good points, is cutting edge, up-to-date all the time. Right. Okay. Uh, um, a point or fixed point type uh, release is going to be stability. Right. Um, you're not going to have to worry about bugs or things That's whacking awesome. out on you in the in the middle. Now, I will say, you know, even on the LTSs and the, the fixed points, they're going to have releases for your... Your packages, usually the apps themselves, Correct. will have updates. And security. Anytime security yes. stuff comes up, they'll send out an update for that. So you'll still have the security stuff. It works out really well that way. Sometimes you have some hybrids. Um, Manjaro, it's based on Arch. It kind of has a certain time frame where they work and test it before they release it. Correct. Even though it's based on Arch. And uh, so they work it out that way. It's it's pretty cool that OpenSUSE Tumbleweed does that a little bit too as well. Right. And, and you'll see uh, OpenSUSE and, and uh, Arch even has an LTS, which is faster release than LTS for Ubuntu, but still slower than your Arch. Yes. So so you, you're going to have some of these distros that have two different ones that you can look at. But know that if you have an older machine, you don't really have to go out there and find the, the leading edge no. anything. So, so, Definitely not. So once you get something stable and fixed and working with it for a for a little bit, you may want to keep it there for a while before you get kind of active and say, hey, let's go ahead and change this up. True. 
because then you then you get to the points where this isn't working and I need it. This isn't working and I need it. So we usually have something that we're working on all the time that we trust, and we're not going to update it until after we're done doing our work. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we have as far as your open uh, a rolling release, your fixed release or point release, and your LTS. And talking about um, DistroWatch, you know, we were talking about it showing the home page. It also shows um, where you can download it. And of course, the the image, uh, the image they yeah. call it is um, my most images are ISOs. Occasionally, you're going to see an IMG, which is another, well. yeah. um, another name for image as well. Um, but you need a tool in order to get that to your drive or your flash drive, usually your thumb drive. Um, you can still ride it to your CD, you can still ride it to your um, DVD, but that's going to be less and less common, especially as you come with newer machines. They're not doing DVDs as much. You're not doing the optical drives. Um, So you want to be able to ride it to your USB. Um, So we have a few of the ones that we prefer. Just your regular thumb drives, you know, this one. Yeah, the little sand disc. The little sand disc, you know. Uh, Some of them you can put on your little, on your keychains. Yeah. I had... I had a, a release that I had on my uh, keychain, and I think it was like Kobe Linux. Does that sound all right? Uh, Cody, Kobe, Kobe, something like that. Maybe. And, and I probably didn't touch that thing for six years and then loaded it up on a, a computer that was dead and was able to pull all the stuff off the hard drive that we needed to pull off of it right. years later. So that's pretty cool. But to get to these new ISOs that you want to use, you're going to have to make a live thumb drive or a live image or a live distro or live operating system <laughs> right and um so we have a few um that we prefer or we have used there's plenty of other ones out there as well um i prefer ventoy it has a um way that the it has a way to load several very easily almost like you plug your usb in and you have a drive um called ventoy and you can open that folder up and drop your ISO there, and it's ready to go whenever you boot into it. And we'll talk at another point how to boot into these yeah, because as well. Once you get the Ventoy set up on that, that thumb drive, mm-hmm. you, it's actually just a drag and drop onto that thumb drive yes. of, of those ISOs at that point. And depending on how big your thumb drive is, you could have multiple images on yes. there. And you, I mean, you can test drive those there as a live image. I mean, you won't be able to do everything, but, but it'll give you an idea what that desktop's going to look like, what... I totally what did not use? have 32 operating systems all in one 64-bit drive at some point. Never. Drive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, along with some other tools, which we can maybe go into. There are bootable tools that help you out, too. Correct, correct. And, but we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> one, one, one of those things we can make, you know, um, Clonezilla and some of these other stuff that we might use. Yes. But the thing that the one that I like to use is Belina Etcher. Belina Etcher. I usually just call it Etcher. And that one's kind of a graphics interface. You you actually load, you, you download that, and you open up like an executable file, if you will. Right. And and then it allows you to either grab the image that you already downloaded, or sometimes you can even go out to grab the image. This one I don't believe allows you to go out. <laughs> yeah. But the Blina Etcher will work with your Linux system to build that thumb drive. Correct. And it will work with... Windows and it works with uh, Mac as well, um, so it, it's great. Sorry. It's a what we call cross-platform. That means it has it's able to work on different operating systems or different platforms, 32-bit, 64-bit, other things we can get into another time. 
Um, but it's going to um, start off with a very simple, as we said, user interface, where you choose your ISO file, you choose your drive, and then you simply click on flash, and it goes ahead and writes it, and then it will verify that it wrote it correctly. Occasionally, you're going to run into where it, it may not. May not. Yeah, but but the, it allows you to have a bootable drive. Correct. And uh, the last one we were talking about is Rufus. Now, I used to use Rufus a lot, but I was on a Windows machine when I was using Rufus because Rufus is only on Windows. Yes. But it will work as well. And what you do when you get these, you load these up in your USB drive, but then you have to go in the BIOS and the boot order, or they might have a, a temporary boot setup you know order and and you have to select that usb drive and boot up in right that. and that's something we'll talk about more in depth at another point in time we'll probably make a one of these in between episodes just for that absolutely <laughs> but to be able to distro hop that's exactly what you want to do <laughs> yes all right so we talked about gooey a little bit earlier and it's not gooey like gooey but gooey gui graphics users interface what exactly is that? Simply put, this is the window or essentially what you're seeing on the monitor in front of you. It allows you to interact with or work on the operating system without having to use the text-based commands. Okay, Of course, you're going to use your keyboard for other things, but it's not necessarily strictly using your keyboard in order to interact. You can use your mouse. You can point and click. Um, another way to look at it is this, this is the pretty side of um, the operating system. If you guys remember DOS, I don't know how um, far back you guys can go, but DOS was a text base. Um, many of your servers, like Ubuntu server, is going to be a text base. Um, I don't know if you can see behind my dad, but he's got this little matrix um, thing. If you guys watch the matrix, it has the terminal that's kind of green and all these um, codes going down. Very similar, okay? You're not going to see um, the pretty looking um although buttons. this might be a graphics interface showing a textual <laughs> yeah it's very true <laughs> but but usually you know on your text-based stuff you're going to be typing it in a command yes. a function something like that and hitting enter and running it that way in order to do what you need to get and done. your graphics one is going to be something you're going to be clicking on buttons yes. open double click this you'll be using your mouse or your touch screen to do and um, when you're doing the other one you're going to be the text-based ones you're going to be using your keyboard and enter to yes. do so and that one's a lot of memory base really it is right you, you have to know these commands be familiar with them in order to do that um, it's not to say that you can't get things done that way, because you can, but um, it's not always the easiest, especially for a beginner. It's very, uh, it can be daunting. You know, if you ever open up Command Prompt, it looks scary because you're not familiar with it yet. Yeah, yeah. So if you had to run something inside of Windows, yeah, because <laughs> you're not used to it there. But but in Linux, you get used to using the terminal, and, and the more you use the terminal, the more more power you have actually and 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 it helps you get things done quicker um and simpler almost yeah simpler i mean there, there's a time there you can actually install stuff multiple packages one right after another just by putting a space bar in between the package names if you know how to do, use the package so thing. at that point you could have just a um what we call a script we'll yeah script later uh uh that you could put out at git <laughs> github yeah. and stuff and uh well i haven't got that far I, i've gotten stuff that i copied and pasted in you yes, know, that's another one. Or, you know, that type of thing. But I haven't got to the point. I wrote my own scripts to that point. I've Little scripts, startup scripts, 
things that I need to load yeah. every time I load a new distro. Yeah. Be careful with copy and pasting. We'll get into um, just random commands into your Linux operating system. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. A little bit later, okay. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of somebody telling you to delete the system 32 file of um, no, Windows. Don't no, do that. No, no. <laughs> it does not make it go faster. It'll make it die a lot yeah. faster. <laughs> we'll talk no, about that. no. Something else that we, we, we've talked about frequently is hard drives. Hard drives. So we've either said hard drive, which might be an HDD, or hard drive, which may be a solid state drive, or SSD. So, right. so sometimes we'll just say SSD or HDD and, and forget to tell people what that is if they never heard of that before. Right. Because if you never opened up a computer, you may not know. Or you may know just because you see it says, you know, hard drive space or uh, you have this much space left or you're running out of space. Right. It all has to do with your hard drives. Yeah. And so they are distinguished um, between two different types in particular. There's the SSD, the solid state drive. This is a flash-based storage device. It's very similar to the USB that we showed earlier, but this is um, one that my dad is showing. It's um, fairly small. Yeah. Uh, 2.5 is what the general size is. 2.5 inch. 2.5 inch, yeah. But it could it could hold up to, you know, even two terabytes in those sizes, maybe a little bit bigger. The more right. the bigger it is, the more you're going to pay for it. Uh, this one, that one was just 250 gigabytes. So yeah, They're fairly cheap now. They used to be way more expensive. They're a lot cheaper than they used to be. You, you can get a hard drive for $30 or $40, you know. Yes. And that's not and bad. It's decent, you know, between yeah. 250 to 500 and that's more than enough for your operating system and holding a few things. Um, but the benefit to this is that it has no moving parts. Right. Your HDD or your regular hard drive or hard disk drive actually has a spinning disc and needle, okay? Um, so it has moving parts physically. Um, these ones, you when you are installing into your computer, if you're ever opening or building your own, you need to make sure that it is stationary because you do not want your moving parts to move incorrectly. That can cause data loss or malfunctioning of the drive. You also don't want to drop it. I'm not suggesting to drop any drive no. But if you dropped any drive, you would want it to be a solid state. And, and, and it's usually to do when, you know, when it's writing or, you know, yes. onto the disc, it's got moving parts. And if you had a, a power surge, power outage, yeah. dropped your laptop, any of those things during that moment, it's gone. It, it, it's going to wreck it. <laughs> yes, it can. Absolutely. So the solid state, it'll hold it through electricity. And um, I can't remember if it's just capacitors. Might have to check that a little bit later. But the presence of electricity essentially is telling it that there is data here. And um, basing on how many there are, it will be able to give you the image and other things of that nature. That makes it, A, faster at reading and writing things. Yes. Um, but it also limits it to how many times it can read or write. Right. It does have a limit to... Uh things going on and off of it all the time. Correct. So your thumb drives, that's pretty much a solid state drive. And, you know, sometimes thumb, thumb drives that you have will die. And that's usually the reason right there is yep. just repeating. So things you want to keep longer, say like your pictures yep. uh, of, you know, your grandkids or 
children or your favorite car uh resume yeah well (laughs) research that you may have had (laughs) things like that you you probably want to keep that on more of a a moving drive or an optical optical is that correct drive correct drive and uh that way but but always always make backups (laughs) yes and we'll talk about the best practices for backups at another point in one of these very same episodes so keep in tune with us you'll enjoy it but but if you had a an old laptop now that had a, a, a moving drive. drive, an optical drive, a 2.5 in there. You can drop a 2.5 solid state drive. And when you load your operating system on there, especially if it's a Linux operating system, it will actually be a faster machine yes. than four. So that's really cool. That's one of the things you could revitalize those older laptops is going to be change out that hard drive to a solid state drive, add more memory to it. And then change out that operating system to Linux, and you, you can have a new, faster computer that you might be able to use for a couple more years. Yes, and that's one of the things we, we really love about Linux. And we, we talked about um, ourselves. We are not bleeding edge, cutting edge. I told you that the, probably the closest to bleeding edge we ever had was a video card or two. Okay, We have never had <laughs> top-of-the-line processors, top-of-the-line anything else. Most of our... Um, computers are actually Frankenstein. We've took computers that people have either given us or left on the stoop or something of that nature, and we go and throw in the dumpster. D- yeah, the, no the, way. We, we've never dumpster dived. No, never. No. Uh, actually, <laughs> I did that the other say, uh, a couple uh, years no, ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you take out um, some of these things and place them into your new drive, and you can and- give it. And, and sometimes that the, the stuff they give us may be useless, but yes. but some of the cables and stuff are not, you know, yes. so it's good to have a, a cable or, or two here and there so, because they're kind of expensive. We, we, we talked about, you know, trying not to be bleeding edge, but giving new life to an old machine, this is one of the easiest ways to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so putting solid state drives are great to put your um, operating system on because it is going to load much faster. And we're talking about the hard disk. It actually uses the the spinning things it's going to use iron oxide or rust in order to um, store its um, information which makes it great for deep storage or long-term storage even in those they have different speeds so like you you have a 5400 and that's usually the bottom rpms right and then you had the 7200 rpms and then i have like a velociraptor that i had that's some 10,000 rpms so just a little bit faster of getting the data on and off Correct. And, and and sometimes they have different read and write speeds. Correct. And um, in these, depending on how big they are, we saw that there was a 2.5 and an inch one, and there's also another one that's slightly bigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they actually have levels, like five, six different um, actual optical drives with the needle that read at different levels to increase the amount that it can hold. But most of the ones you're going to be working with are going to be those little ones that fit into the computers, the the, the regular uh, um, 2.5-inch ones or these little bit bigger ones here. So Yes. Uh, it's the same idea. You know, we used to use floppies, and floppies were 8 inches big at one time, and then you had the 5 and a quarters, and then the 3 and a halves, and you just kept getting smaller and smaller, and pretty soon... You know, you could put it all on one little bitty thumb drive that you carry around on your keychain. Uh, I was telling, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but but we toured NASA there at Houston or uh, Johnson Space Center. Oh, man. And uh, you were walking across the catwalk between the two areas. One was uh, where they were doing the simulation 
for all the missions, Apollo right. all the way through the space shuttle. And then on the other side, it's they're building the, the, the rescue vessel, I guess, that kind of drops in like a glider, similar to kind of looks a little bit like the space shuttle, but with more folded wings, aerodynamic type look to it. And on the one side, you had this huge room with all kinds of computers, hundreds of computers that have the reel-to-reel on it. And that was for doing all the simulations of all those flights. And I happened to ask the, the tour guide, well, where's the, you know, the one for this side over here to do the flight simulations for this? He says, oh, it's sitting on that desk right there. It was just a regular desktop. <laughs> <laughs> so a, as a... The technology increased, the things got smaller, and that helped because then we get down to cell phones and uh, right. things that we carry that we can use that have more power than than we did when we first started using computers. Yes. Um, they used to be room sizes. And we're, we're not even talking about for many yeah. computers. We're talking about one single computer. One single computer. So um, My dad is from the generation that used to use um, punch cards. That's another story. I was just uh, after that generation. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but you wanted to bring a verse for us too? I do have a verse for us today. And the verse we're going to be looking at is going to be in Proverbs 18, verse 15, which says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. And this is knowledge, you know, God, knowledge of God. But, but even when we're doing Linux stuff, if you need to be seeking out knowledge, always, always looking for more and more to, to, to listen to, to, to bring in, to decide on, make decisions with, but that, that knowledge you get makes you wiser. And that's what we do here with our Linux stuff is we're trying to make everything, uh, we're, we're trying to become discerning on how to use different things and make things better. Right. So and do, do that in the world as well. <laughs> right. That's always good. I mean, and maybe you're kind of sitting on your hands. You're like, Windows is what I know best. It's like, Correct. well, because you gave time um, of day to it. If you give Linux a shot, you'll learn it, and it'll be easier. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> oh, no. no. It, it, it will. It, there's a learning curve. It's small. There's a learning curve. Uh, depending and, on where you're going. And really, it depends on the operating system you get, which which sure. Linux, because some of the ones like Mint and stuff like that, you can probably load that out of the box and use it very e- fairly easily, just like you'd be doing with Windows. Windows. Yeah. You know, Windows, you can run into stuff that gives you problems every once in a while, and then you have to go and figure out what's going on. True. So it just depends what you're going to do, and sometimes you just try to start pushing that envelope a little bit to learn more. and. Sometimes it bites back a little bit, but 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 you have that ability to do so. Right. And that's the key here. You you can learn and grow, and there's just so many options open for us to do different things with Linux that we don't have with Windows or Macs. Right. Yeah. And, okay, so with that said, we are going to be talking about some uh, distro hopping. So... We are going to be hopping from what was Void Linux before over to Cache OS. So Cache OS is a, an Arch-based Linux system, and we already started using it for a couple yep. of weeks now. I think it's a very cool-looking desktop. Um, it's got a different file system that I've never used before. That's kind of cool. You actually um, did use it before. It used to be inside of um, Ubuntu at one point. Really? Yeah. I just didn't know. That was back when it was a black box, and I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so far, I like that. Um, 
I've had a couple little hiccups here and there, but uh, um, I think I can get it to the point it could be a daily driver. <laughs> we do use these kind of as daily drivers while we're testing them out, but we right. do have our honest daily driver, the one we know is going to work in case we run into a hiccup or two. Yeah. Um, so here. if I'm using that Void Linux or that Cache Linux and something hit, uh, messes up on me, I'll go back to my regular one, um, you know, Debian or... Yeah, Debian or Arch, depending on which uh, system I'm on, and um, just to get things done because sometimes you just got to get things done, Yeah, you know. And distro hopping is what we do for fun. So, I mean, when we're needing to do something work-wise, we're probably going to go back to our um, one that we know is going to work for us at right. the time. Unless but, we find something better and looking through all these. Sure. There, there's some that – and better doesn't always mean it's it's uh, the best out there. Better means it's one that I like better. More. Yeah. You know, I just work with it better somehow. You I know, know, I used to hate KDE, um, desktop environment. No. Yes, because the iCandy was great. Don't get me wrong. And a lot of the features were there were fantastic, but it used to use more resources than I thought. Oh. And, and it yeah. would – kind of cut me out so i would use gnome i was a big um gnome fan but that was before gnome 3 that was before gnome 3 gnome 2 you know um now it's mate mate is the fork that came off but gnome 3 yeah. i don't like that one anymore i use budgie now but anyway these are all desktops by the way Des desktop environment environment so the gui that we're talking about they're slightly different ones that you can um, download and work with so, um, one of the things on the Cache OS that I like is strictly the amount of desktop environments that you have to choose from. My dad has KDE that he can pick out. I have Plugy yeah. that I um, like to be able to play with. And it's got a few other ones. We both use Cinnamon quite often yeah. at one time or another. Uh, I did. I was using GNOME 3 there for quite a while, especially on a, a, like a touch screen laptop. Oh, man. That speeds things up as far as getting from one process to the next. Gee. Yeah, no, um, Gnome 3 is fantastic for touchscreens. It's yeah. built for touchscreens, even. It's like built for a tablet, if you get, you yeah, know, if, if you get down to that point. But anyway, so Cache OS will be our next one. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks if everything works out. We'll tell you all about it and we'll give it a review. And if you want to talk to us or say anything to us, we do have a Discord uh, account now. We also have a Facebook account, um, right. Facebook page. We'll have uh, both of those placed on our YouTube here as well. Um, of course, Facebook is a website. Discord is actually also a website, but it does have at versions as well to give you the dings immediately letting you know um, somebody else. And for either one of these, you just need an internet connection and a browser in order to work with it. Because we're, we're serious about learning together, and this will be one of the places we can learn together. Yes, so we look forward to seeing and meeting you guys. Um, if you do have questions about this episode, feel free to leave comments here on our Facebook or even on our Discord. We'd be happy to yeah. um, entertain some of the questions as best we can. All right. Well, I'm Father. And I'm Son. And this is our podcast, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.